Welcome to Doing Good Business, the podcast where personal and professional development meet. I'm Laura Heacock, a leadership coach and talent acquisition consultant, and I'm joined every week by my co-host, Kelly Stewart of The Positive Business, training you to bring positive business practices into any company. Doing Good Business is the podcast that teaches you that doing good business is not only possible, it's profitable. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Doing Good Business. Kelly and I are super excited to be here. We hope you enjoyed our first two episodes of season two. We had such an amazing time talking with Jennifer Brown about inclusivity and with the Engel brothers of Casa Real Estate. I mean, my gosh, who thought that the buy one, give one model could ever apply to houses? So we are thrilled amazing. to kick off season two with a bang. And today is no different. So Kelly and I are hanging out today, just she and I, and we're talking about happiness. And how does that apply to business, you might ask? We're sure glad you asked. <laughs> Kelly, sure how are. are you doing? Aren't we? I'm doing great. This is a, you know, I'm thinking about the time of year and I'm thinking I love to go back to school. So I was a very happy person to go back to school. My fresh pencils, my trapper keeper, my new shoes, <laughs> oh, you know, keeper. all those things, right? Exactly. The trapper keeper. I'm so excited. It was a big decision every year. And um, it just always made me happy to go back to school. And I think part of it was because there was uh, opportunity. That's how I equate happiness. Like happiness is mm. you just, you see possibility around you. I was going to learn new things. I was going to make new friends at a new teacher. I'm not saying that happiness lasted throughout the school year. I'm just saying I started September being very happy. I know a lot of kids probably feel the same way right now. They're happy to be, you know, kind of back with their friends and not with mom and dad under, uh, you know, keeping them under thumb. And a lot of parents I know Mm -hmm. are equally as happy to have it be the beginning of the school year. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Because yeah. say summertime, we, you know, we were kind of left to our own devices. <laughs> the Same. parents didn't see a lot of the kids, you know, so we were gone all day long. That was kind of cool, too. Um, but I know, you know, very different now from from the way it is now. But uh, still, it's all good. All good. We joke about that all the time in my house. Like, you know, you knew when to come home when your mom stuck her head out the back door and yelled and it was time to come in for dinner. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Oh, my God. So we're talking well, about happy yeah. app today. Tell me from this micro perspective that you are so known for, Laura Heacock. Tell me about happiness. Here's my thing with happiness. I have really gotten into the concept lately that I've just started hearing a lot about in that people who search for meaning are actually happier than people who search for happiness. And what I mean by that is that, you know, happiness and Kelly, you said it a, a couple of minutes ago, you know, happiness can be fleeting. Like the start of the school year, maybe you're super happy. But, you know, at a certain point, maybe you kind of hit that like burnout phase is how we would equate it in the corporate world. Mm -hmm. And and happiness isn't necessarily always there. You know, happiness can kind of be the surface layer. So when I think about happiness, what I encourage, and, and honestly, I said this to a client the other day, and he started to say, he started to finish my sentence. And I was saying, I would encourage you to look for things that bring, and he said, happiness. And I said, actually, I will tweak that into meaning. Um, Mm -hmm. so I really like talking about meaning and how that builds a really strong foundation for happiness. Um, and I think that meaning at work is actually a little bit more translatable than happy happiness at work. So how do you find meaning in your work? Maybe it's like the Engel brothers and you are realtors, but you find meaning by creating an organization that has a buy one, give one model, or maybe you Mm -hmm. are 
like Jennifer Brown, and you find meaning at work by helping companies increase their diversity, inclusion, and belonging. And, you know, that is actually what makes you happy. So I think happiness can actually be the result of meaning more than the result of something that you're seeking in and of itself. Absolutely. I, I agree with you. And the, the correlation there, we can talk about this more in a little bit, but, you know, again, at work, how are we defining happiness, right? Because there mm-hmm. are a lot of definitions, you know, um, for happiness. But I think it's really about this sense emotionally of, of well-being and contentment, right? And those things come when you're in your jam, right? When you're finding yeah. that meaning at work, when you feel aligned um, to what what people are doing. There's this um, book and an article I'll mention later. Um, the author is Morton Hansen, and he wrote a 2018 book, Great at Work, and he defines purpose this way. You have a sense of purpose when you make valuable contributions to others, individuals and organizations, or to society that you find personally meaningful and that don't harm anyone. So I think mm. when you have those things in place and like what you're talking about, finding that meaning is a great precursor then to this overall sense of well-being, which is a great mm-hmm. place to start anything emotionally, personally yeah. or at work. Yeah, I agree. I agree. So there's, um, mm-hmm. speaking of resources and back to school season, there mm-hmm. is uh, in, not one of the typical places I, I usually read, but Scientific American actually has a pretty cool article on the difference between happiness and meaning that we'll link to in the show notes. And they really talk about um, some trade-offs between seeking happiness and seeking meaning. You know, parents often report that they're happy when they had children, but parents who are living with children maybe are scoring lower on measures of happiness, but they're scoring higher on meaning. So just some interesting little tidbits Mm. about, you know, the differentiation between the two and, and what it means to look for one versus the other. So from the macro level, Kelly, like I know you do a lot of work with planning in organizations, Mm -hmm. you know, sitting down and figuring out how are they going to get from A to B, you know, what is their strategic planning going to look like? How do you find happiness shows up in in those scenarios? Does it show up in those scenarios? Is it something that you find folks kind of on the lookout for? I mean, on an individual basis, I think a lot of people are like, yeah, I want to be happy. Great. You know, make me happy. But how do you see it showing up in an organization? That's a great question, Laura. And I think it does not necessarily show up as the thing, she says in air quotes, right? But <laughs> it it shows up as the deeper, the response to deeper questions to, you know, Mm -hmm. to the good questions. So, you know, um, an organization, and I kind of overuse this example, but, you know, may need to attract and retain talent. They may need to Mm -hmm. innovate, things like that. So it shows up in that need because when you start to, to kind of delve into that and ask for the descriptions around, okay, so what, what does that mean to you? What does it look like if you're going to Mm -hmm. attract and retain people? If you're having a problem with that and you flip it, what does it look like you're attracting and retaining people? It's in those descriptions that the first signs of happiness start to emerge. And mm. in their descriptions of, you know, well, people are more productive. Oh, excellent. Yes. And why would they be more productive? Right. Oh, you know, our, our people, our onboarding is going to be faster. Oh, okay. And why would they be faster? Well, because when they come here, they'll see that everyone's really engaged in their work. We're friendly people. Oh, you're friendly people. Right. So mm. those things then start to, create the the breadcrumb trail 
to happiness and deciding to focus on happiness. And, you know, it goes back to people, Henry Ford, right? They, if I had asked people, they would have asked for faster horses, not for cars. <laughs> so it kind of goes back to That's that thing, awesome. you know, people often don't know it, but, you know, you kind of come into it from the, you know, w- what if as a business leader or a manager, you could tap into something that is just naturally generative, right? Meaning it empowers others to do their jobs. It improves how they function. It helps them bring more value to others. And OPS, it's good for the financial bottom line, right? Well, that's what happiness Mm -hmm. is. And it starts with what you were talking about, that emotional component, when that basic need of, you know, that that fear is gone in Maslow's hierarchy, and you feel that sense of well-being, then neurologically, you're better able to get into plan and prepare mode, right? Because, you know, the state of being happy kind of activates that prefrontal cortex and that's where all that good executive functioning comes from attention control working memory flexibility and yes that even leads to higher levels of executive functioning such as reasoning and problem solving so you know that's you start again to paint that picture of these are these are how things build on one another and the core starts at happiness being happy at work also paves the way to connection. And we've talked about this before, right? Like no one whistles a symphony. It takes an orchestra to pay, to play it. Aww, and that's what Kelly. an organization is like, right? Oh, I, I know. I that. wish it were mine. You're full, I know. Great, you're full of great quotes today. Makes me happy. <laughs> well, you know, that's you how I there? spent my summer vacation. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, I wish it were mine, but and I can't remember who to give credit to for that. But it's so very true. And in an organization, nothing happens in a vacuum. So people need to be able to communicate with one another and communicate effectively. So that sense of happiness paves the way to connection. And then just physically, you know, this is it kind of stands to reason if you're happy at work, there's less absenteeism, right? There's less stress and burnout. That's your area, right? And mm-hmm. um so, I, you know, it's the the whole picture. And to bring it back to your question, no, people don't often think that no one, I'll say it this way, Laura, no one yet has come to me and says, we need a strategy for more happiness at work. Right? <laughs> well, maybe they just today's don't. episode changes everything. Maybe on September Absolutely. 10th, people will start coming to you and saying, <laughs> we need a strategy for more happiness at work. <laughs> Absolutely. Oh, because that, that's the, the root cause and, uh, and the root... Um, opportunity. That's the root opportunity. There we go. New phrase. I like it. I like it. So you, um, who, the quote where you had said, if people, if I had asked people, they would have said they wanted a faster horse, not Mm -hmm. a car. Who was that again? They attribute that to, um, Henry Ford and the model T. I don't know. Okay. Yeah. Some debate back and forth, but. Well, we'll attribute it to Henry Ford for, uh, for our purposes right now, but it really, it made me think about how, you know, I talk about curiosity a lot. I just listened to an interview with Elizabeth Gilbert where she tells a story about how, you know, she spent years of her life telling people to follow their passion and how she realized that was all wrong. And really what people need to do is follow the curiosity because so many people would come mm-hmm. to her and say like, but I don't know my passion. How am I supposed to be right. happy if I don't even know what I'm supposed to follow? And she really went into curiosity. But that story about if I had asked people, they would have said they wanted a faster horse instead of a car made me think about, you know, curiosity and you never know where your your meaning or your happiness is going to come from and one of my favorite examples is um dan harris who people may or may not know but he was a journalist for a long long time i think he worked for cbs news uh i'm sorry abc he was the co-anchor of abc's nightline and also the weekend editions of good morning america 
And mm-hmm. that was a few years back. And he's pretty famous now for, he wrote a book called 10% Happier. That was a New York Times bestseller. And he also has a podcast by the same name. And he has a 10% Happier app. So long story short, Dan Harris basically lived in this like crazy, stressful, toxic, you know, 24 hour news cycle kind of environment. And he had an on-air panic attack back in the like early to mid 2000s. I think it was 2012, maybe. And if you had asked Dan Harris back in the early 2000s, you know, do you think you'll ever write a book? You know, do you think you'll ever invent a car is kind of the the parallel that I'm drawing. Mm-hmm. But do you think you'll ever write a book on, you know, being 10% happier through mindfulness and meditation? You know, he would have laughed in your face, but he literally had, you know, this series of actions and they led to a nationally televised panic attack. And that's what led him to, you know, be a lifelong non-believer and actually really explore the full science of, of mindfulness and meaning and, and how to change your life. And it's it's now what he's doing and it's totally changed. And I find that whole concept of 10% happier to be really accessible. Um, and that's a big thing that I really look for is, you know, how do you make things accessible? So it's easy to say, okay, I want to be happier, but what does that look like? How do we quantify it? So, okay, what are some of the mm-hmm. ways that I can just be 10% happier at work? So if I'm a leader, maybe that means I need to make sure that I am really clear on my personal values and that my company aligns with those values. So is there some sort of matching with my values and my company's values? And that will give me a sense of meaning in my work, which will make me happy. You know, something else that might make me might make me 10% happier is to you know, my favorite leadership philosophy is radical candor. You know, maybe I want to actually care personally about my people and invest in them personally instead of kind of doing what Kelly, you and I advise against so often, which is, you know, checking your your life at the door when you walk into work. So maybe mm-hmm. I want to start to figure out how to be more vulnerable professionally, and that will give me deeper meaning and, and make me happier. But I love that concept of of 10% happier. And, you know, it, it, it came from such an interesting place and such an interesting experience that was the farthest end of unhappy. I would imagine that, right. that he would describe, but I think that's so often when, you know, companies start to really look at that. Like you had mentioned turnover. When companies have really high turnover, they start to look at things like, are people happy? What's the engagement rate? When, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of my clients come to me and say, I need to change jobs. I'm just not happy anymore. And okay, well, sometimes that's an option and it's always a great thing to explore. But a lot of times that's not the answer. You know, a lot of times the answer is actually right. looking at what in your life used to feel happy or used to feel meaningful mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. where did it go? You know, my, one of my right. first questions is like, when was the last time you felt how you wanted to feel? Great. Think of your life like a recipe for banana bread. What were your banana bread ingredients that were present during that time? If I was making mm-hmm. banana bread, I would get bananas. I would get oats. I would get sugar. I would probably get chocolate chips because I've met me, but you know, those would all <laughs> be the ingredients in my recipe. So what were the ingredients in your life at a time when you felt happier? And if you can really you know, take one thing away from, from my side of today's episode, I would say, think about that. Like if you're listening to this and you're thinking, gosh, I really don't feel happy in my career. I don't feel happy in my company. Gosh, I have been thinking about a job change, you know, again, explore it, but think about a time when you did feel happy, what was going on in your life? What was present in your life? And more often than not, there are small things that you can integrate back in. You know, maybe you used to you know, ride your bike frequently and you don't do that anymore. That's something that you can integrate in, you know, weather permitting. Maybe you used to have a dinner with friends at least once a month and that has kind of fallen by the wayside. Maybe you used to, you know, paint for fun on the weekends and that hasn't happened anymore. But look back at a time when things felt happier 
um, and see what you can bring back into your life. Absolutely. And I'm, I just love what you're bringing up because again, it's just to me so representative of what we're, what we've wanted to do with this podcast all along, what we've been doing, which is showing that intersection of personal and professional development, because it's the same type of thing in an organization, right? We know personally and professionally happiness cannot be bought, right? You are not going out to the Mm. happiness store and having it delivered by Amazon tomorrow, right? So there are things that you... (laughs) (laughs) There is a meme going around the internet that's it's something from like my therapist says, and it's like, what do we do when we're feeling sad? And the answer is me add to cart and therapist says no which makes me laugh and laugh every time I see it but anyway sorry Kelly (laughs) no absolutely I I, okay so today anyway um, you cannot necessarily buy happiness but it is something that you can cultivate and I would even say further you can do that like that's not work it doesn't have to be work you can have fun doing that and for a business leader it's an opportunity for them as you were talking about what you were talking about on a personal development it helps them to develop their own emotional intelligence and cultivate Mm -hmm. that and and build on that but very similarly in an organization your banana bread recipe applies right you want to go back if if the if it's really the conclusion that in order to attain what we want, in order to meet the opportunity, right, in order to differentiate ourselves from the competition, in order to develop new products or services, right, we understand the root opportunity for us is to develop happiness here in our organization. That's the first question I ask people is then let's go back. Let's talk about a time when you develop something new in the organization. What did that look like? Right. Mm. What were the success factors around it? I mean, some things you can't replicate, but if you keep asking the questions, you'll find, oh, right. Well, what we did was, you know, well, we made this business case. Well, first of all, we all felt bad because something terrible happened. (laughs) Okay, good. We're moving past that already. We've already felt Mm. bad. So now, you know, what made you feel good about that? Well, actually, communication was at a really high level or we, you know, we had a steering committee who came up with some really great ideas or we put ideas into a hat and pulled them out. Whatever those things are, there was something in the organization that worked really well that was unknown to the organization when it started. And Mm -hmm. so that gives you a basis on which you can then ask other really good questions, right? Which is, why are you doing it? And what are the possibilities related to bringing happiness at work, right? It can be, you can start off by thinking, well, we just want it to, you know, we just want people to be happier because we want to improve attendance. Okay, Mm -hmm. that's a great start. But then you can easily see in a a conversation how that expands to be many more things. It goes from beyond that to, you know, finding that meaning to productivity, all of the things that the organizations need, because as you and I've said many times before, you need to be profitable, right? You know, know, Mm -hmm. this is about a business. So we have to talk about those things. And then, you know, how do you measure those? How do you know you're on track? What do you do? Do pre and post surveys? Do you have like a happiness meter? You know, like in the hospitals, you know, rate your pain on a scale of one to eight, and it goes from like Mm -hmm. the grimmest face to the happy face, right? Are there things like that? You can have fun with it. You can be creative. And there was a great article that I found that we'll include in the show notes. Again, we're trying not to give people a lot of homework because we know it's the beginning part of the school year. But, um, you know, it, they have this acronym, the researchers behind the science of happiness have PERK. So it's all about purpose at work, engagement, resilience, and kindness, like my friend Laura talks about all the time. Woo-hoo! And you know, we so, some kindness in business. 
We really do. We know purpose is so important. And we've talked about engagement and um, people at Logitech and Zappos, new employees, they participate in a multi-day onboarding events that include fun social activities and job crafting, right? So this is an opportunity for them to reflect on their personal strengths and the collaborative dimensions of their jobs and then envision the, the most fitting, appropriately challenging growth for focused work experience. That's mm. creative, right? That awesome. that doesn't happen. This is what I mean by you can't buy happiness, right? This becomes the competitive difference for organizations. It's in the way they shape what they're going to do to cultivate these things. And then resilience, Adobe has Project Breathe. So when you were talking about Dan Harris, I was thinking about that. It's all about bringing mindfulness into the organization. Mm. So, you know, there's links to these types of projects in that article. And then there's kindness. And we know from your work in that, we also know we've talked about civility. So like civility, it's contagious, right? Mm -hmm. And we're going to hear from Blake Harris um, over at yes. Video Conferencing, right, about their happiness initiative, which helps people to feel connected. Super important in a fast-growing company where they have different offices. They're in different time zones. Some people work remotely. So how do they use this happiness initiative as part of their culture? objectives and goals to, yeah, to deepen so that culture, you. you know, to make it better. I'm so glad you mentioned Blake, because he's actually, and you guys, like our second September episode with Blake is super fun. He's the 2019 Happy Crew president at Zoom, which is obviously why we wanted to invite him on the podcast right after we were talking about happiness. So definitely check that out. That episode will be out on uh, the 23rd, which is two weeks from the airing of this episode, which is September 9th. So check out Blake mm -hmm. as well. But I love Absolutely. the um I love the idea of, you know, everything you were just saying and happiness in organizations. Like even though most people don't seek it specifically in the framework of work, you know what I mean? Most people don't go to work to look towards their happiness or most people don't say, I want to be happier in my life. Let me see how I can figure that out as it pertains to work. We spend, you know, fifty hours of our week, at least a third, if not half of our lives at work. Why should happiness and work not go together? You know, why should meaning that leads to happiness not be a part of work? Why should kindness and, and giving back mm -hmm. and all of those things not be a part of work? I mean, just looking for, you know, again, quote unquote happiness without looking for that deeper level of meaning is probably not going to get you to the end result that you're looking for. But, you know, if you can find those ways to, you know, bring meaning into your work by being kind or by giving back or just by being really aligned with what your company is doing, that's going to lead to happiness. So I love this. So personal side, we've got the subject of happiness, but we're, we're talking about that deeper meaning. Mm -hmm. Work professional side, we've got the subject of happiness, but we're talking about strategy and being intentional with it and, and yep. purposeful and really understanding what is it we're really trying to do here and, and not just go out and try to slap happiness into the organization. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Right? Oh my God. Love it. Never just try and slap it on. You can't order it from Amazon. Today's takeaways. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I certainly feel happier Kelly Stewart than I did at the start of our episode today. How about you? I do. I do get great energy from you, from, from our topics and from our audience. And we love to hear from our audience. So please keep, keep reaching out to us. Let us know what you are loving about the podcast. If you've got ideas or topics, um, suggestions, 
let us know. You can reach us yeah, at www.doinggoodbusiness.com and you can fill out the yes. form there. We would love to hear from you through the website. You can also hit us up. We're always on Instagram and LinkedIn and Twitter. You can message us anywhere. Tell us what made you happy. What makes you happy about this episode? What makes you happy about your work? What makes you happy as a person on this planet? We would love to know. And uh, don't forget to come back. Our second episode in September on the 23rd with Blake Harris from Zoom. Have an awesome day, everyone. Take care. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Doing Good Business, designed to bring out the best in you and your company. We welcome your reviews and ratings and would love to hear from you. Send your comments, suggestions, and questions through our online form at doinggoodbusiness.com. Stay in touch with us on Twitter, LinkedIn, and Instagram. The Doing Good Business podcast is brought to you by Laura Heacock of Laura Heacock Consulting for all of your coaching and talent acquisition needs and Kelly Stewart of The Positive Business, helping you incorporate the social business paradigm into your company. Learn more about us and our respective services at the Doing Good Business website. Thanks again for listening and remember to expect good things from everything you do.